Well, I am excited to start in on a new, uh, a new series. The book of Colossians we start today. And so uh, you'll find that book towards the latter half of your Bible. This is the section that if you look at the side profile of your Bible, there may be a little less gold leaf there. You know, you might have been in that section a little bit more. It's uh, how many of you guys grew up trying to memorize the, the New Testament and somewhere around the Pauline epistles, you started losing it, right? How many of you learned go eat popcorn? Anybody? Yes, I got one big ecumenical hand in the back. Yes, that's fantastic. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, go eat popcorn. See, if for nothing, you learned something today. You like that? Go eat popcorn. That was not approved by the Apostle Paul. This morning as we get into the book of Colossians, I've got a question for you. What are you advertising? What are you advertising? Okay, yes, you're right. This is that moment where you have to figure out where is Pastor Jeremy going? What's that got to do with it? Okay, let me step you through it. You know, each of us advertises something every day. You're a walking billboard. And that's kind of the title to our sermon. By the way, there are sermon notes, and you can fill those out now, especially those who are in life groups. You should be filling those out and writing things down. We'll get to it. But this is, this is a free-form free moment. You can just interact with me. You're a walking billboard. What are you advertising? Livy over here is a big Monsters, Inc. fan. We know that because... You see what I did right there? All right. And Roger is like a GQ guy, right? You can just tell the, the way the guy dresses is fantastic. And um, Cindy is like a, a what, are, what are some glasses name brands? Those are Gucci? I wasn't going to say it. I was going to say, she's like, a, she's like a glasses model, okay? So you're all advertising something. You're a walking billboard. George, could you please stand up? And I don't normally ask this, but could you open your shirt a little bit? There you go. So George is definitely advertising. He is a walking billboard. And so now we see this guy out on the street somewhere in Britain saying, can I live with you? Houses are too expensive to buy, so maybe I could be your flatmate. I shower. That's a plus. Yeah, you think she's going to stop? I don't think so. So I'm going to take you through a couple of these things so you know where we're tracking this morning. You ready? All right, today is the kickoff Sunday. Why don't you take note of who is not here today? It shows you where... No, I'm just... I'll move on quickly. So we know that we live in the Bay Area, and so this guy is definitely advertising... And uh, I don't think that's Sam, but it could be. All right. Forever faithful. Sam, how many of you guys would be that passionate about, you know, your favorite things that you would dress like that? No? All right. Let me, let me show you one more since it is football Sunday. There is this. This is going on. Right? That gives a whole new definition to the term I've got your back. Right? I don't think that Charger fan knows. Now, notice the Charger fan is just nice and relaxed. He's a tourist. He's just, he's mild-mannered. He's normal, right? That's what a Charger fan is like. 
And then you have a Raider fan. I'm not lying. It's right in front of you. I, I'm not making this stuff up. So I just want that to be for the record exact. What happened there? I don't know. I don't know how that got on there. Because no rightful Charger fan would ever dress like that. Some of you are like, what, what's the point? That's the Charger logo. I'll just move on. Okay. So what's happening here? Yeah, he's proposing. What do you think her answer is based off of what she's advertising? Yes. Think that's in stark contrast to that. What do you think she's saying? She's saying get a bigger diamond. That's what she's saying. All right. How many of you, you know, how many, we got a new dog. His name is Max. He's coming up on one year birthday. Cindy's got a new, how many of you guys got a new dog this past year? Anybody? Anybody else? Yeah. So dogs, you know, fun, exciting. And, and so we got our dog from ARF over here as a rescue. And we call him Mad Max when he's crazy. Uh, when he's really hungry, we call him Food Max. Um, when he's got this thing that he chomps with his, his things. And so if you've ever seen a zombie movie, he sounds just like a zombie chomping. His, and so we call him Z-Max. Um, he's got all these names. It's a, just a crazy dog. So Philip's met Max. He's a little nutty. And not Philip, the dog. The dog is a little nutty. And so, you know, you may have gone to ARF. And yeah, isn't that cute? Doesn't that just melt your heart? Now, how many of you would just want to... Some of you are like, no, just... <laughs> Move on. I'm not a dog. How many of you see that and you just like you just want to hold it? You want to cuddle it, right? It's advertising, right? How many of you would like this dog? <laughs> I have that dog. That is Max. All right. Now, for each of these pictures, it invoked a response from you, and we do that. We learn from that, we respond to that, we react to that, and oddly enough, we're transformed by that. So this morning, as we look at Colossians, they were advertising. They were advertising. And oddly enough, they, were, they had such a national campaign going on, and they're a small little church. They had such a national campaign going on that probably one of the single most important people in the church heard about it from hundreds of miles away. That's how good their advertising was. And they didn't even have Google. Right? So let's get into it this morning. As we look at this idea of Colossians, we can start out with the, uh, with the first section of Scripture. We're going to be in uh, verse 1, 1 through 2. And we're going to be breaking down verses 1 through 8 today. Uh, and, and it's not just the intro. We'll give you a little bit of history here in just a moment. But... Um, it's a fascinating study in what happened from this small church. And so this morning, let's, let's just read the intro real quickly, um, the first two verses. And it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, or Colossae, however you want to say that, grace to you and peace from God our Father. So it's just one of Paul's standard openings, but yet he calls them his faithful brothers. And he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Don't read that as God and Timothy have established Paul as an apostle. It means that Paul and Timothy are writing this letter 
they are communicating to the brothers and sisters at Colossae. So let's give you a little bit of background of what this church is all of, all about. The history of the book. It's written by Paul while he's in prison in Rome around 60 AD, towards the latter part of his life. All right? The gospel has taken root. Paul had done his missionary journeys through Asia Minor. He never stopped in Colossae. This is what you call a discipleship, a second-gen church. This is what you call a satellite church, a church plant. And we don't know necessarily how big this church is, but later in the letter, and you'll see this, you'll even see it towards the, the latter part of, of uh, uh, as we move through Colossians, that Paul addresses multiple churches in that area that were house churches. Churches our size. And yet, what were they advertising? So, let's look a little bit at the town. Colossae was just a rural town. It was like the city of Clayton. No offense to you who live in Clayton, but you're out there in the middle of, like, nowhere. Okay? You're on the outer edges of the world. And they were a sister city. Actually, they were kind of just an offshoot from a city like Laodicea. We've heard that city's name before when we did last summer, the, the seven churches. And so Colossae probably was planted by somebody from that area. Epaphras, we're going to see his name coming up real soon, and we're going to focus on him in our last point, seems to be, as far as all that we have to focus on, the one that has been ministering to this church. So let's move into what we have this morning. Number one, our purpose, the purpose of the book is to correct errors against Gnosticism. We'll explain Gnosticism in a little bit. And then secondly, to remind the believer that they have everything in Christ. So this morning, and for the indefinite future as we move through this book, use that filter, will you? Number one, that we have to be correct in our thinking. And number two, we have to approach life with the understanding that we have everything we need in Christ Jesus. Amen? All right. Let's get into it. This morning, let's continue looking at verses 3 through 5. It says this, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Now remember the we, he's, he's uh, been specific here about him and Timothy, right? But Paul had multiple people that were with him under house arrest, or serving him and ministering to him while he's under house arrest in Rome. So we don't know how big his posse is or his contingency, but there's a group of ministers that they would have been familiar with that are partnering with Paul in this letter. So he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. And we'll stop there. We'll stop there. I've got a little bit more to that verse. Well, okay, you see it. Of this, you have heard before the word of truth, the gospel. And and you'll see, I I chop it off there, and you'll see why here in, in just a minute. Well, let's break this down. They were known for their reputation of advertising the gospel. This church, this little church, this rural church, had a reputation for the gospel. They practiced what they knew of Christ 
in two ways, in two forms. Faith and love. Faith and love. Let's look at how this breaks down. God's people have a reputation. We've heard it, haven't we? You can't watch the news. You can't be on Facebook. You can't be on social media without consistently seeing either the plus or the minus of the world's attitude towards the church. Now, some of that is well-deserved on both sides, whether it's praise or whether it's criticism. But understand this, my friends, that we have a reputation based off of what? Based off of word and deed. The church at Colossae had a reputation. It was a reputation of faith and it was a reputation of love. And as we look at this this morning, we know that the components of the gospel are what God has done through His grace and through His mercy in providing to us that which we could never acquire and we could never attain. And we often say that that's God's part, and then acting or responding in faith is what? Is our part. And faith is the evidence or being confident in the things that we what? We cannot see. Peter commends the church. He says, you are blessed. I admire you. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But he's saying, I'm so impressed with you because you haven't seen Christ, yet you follow Him in obedience and in trust. And in what? In faith. This morning, my brothers and sisters gathered here, you are doing the same. I I know most of you, and I've not yet heard of a Damascus Road moment. That you follow Christ in faith. That the Word came to you at a certain point in time, and Scripture says how this faith thing works in 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, is that the Spirit opens up those spiritual things into our mind. We're blinded, and, and, and 2 Corinthians 4 talks about a veil that's kind of over our face that we can kind of hear about God, we can kind of see, but until the Holy Spirit lifts that veil, we can't fully understand. We can't fully respond in faith. But it's when the Spirit lifts that veil that He provides that opportunity for faith. That He grants the opportunity for faith for a reaction response in faith. But faith isn't just a statement. Faith looks a certain way, doesn't it? Faith looks a certain way. How is faith advertised? Think of somebody that you know who has great faith. Think of somebody that you would want to model that has great faith. You probably are thinking of somebody who demonstrates that, who is a walking billboard for faith. You're probably not thinking of someone who just speaks about faith. You see, faith has its impact through Not just word, but deed. Does it not? And so for us as a church to thrive, to have a reputation for the gospel, like the church at Colossae, would be to, number one, be noted for our faith. Today in the church we struggle. But we're learning. We're learning. My question this morning for you is, in in focus to the second one, the second point, 
the reputation of love. By the way, in their reputation of faith at, at Colossae, how, how did they practice that? They practiced it by being faithful. They practiced it by gathering together. They practiced it by being that church that sacrificed, that, that stood up for the name of Christ, that presented the gospel to those around them. Why do we know that? Because Paul never visited. He heard of their reputation. Have you ever heard about a ministry, an individual, or a church that you never attended and you heard about it through others because of their faith. This is what Paul's talking about. This is their reputation. What about love? You know, Oz Guinness in his book, Fool's Talk, speaks about the power of love and that it is Christian love that wins, that is the trump card of any apologetic argument. They will know you by your love they knew christ by his love they knew him by his works as well but they knew christ by his love it's what stands out so how are we demonstrating that love somehow in some way we don't have the details we'll we'll see a little bit of this as we get deeper into the book this church was known they had a reputation of love love for christ and love for those around themselves So this morning, let me give you some context of that. Because the gospel conforms us to God and not to the world. Romans 12, 1 through 2. If you want to turn there, please join me as I read this to you. This is going to give, again, just some framing, just some understanding, some deeper clarity as to what this means to have a reputation. Is this our reputation as the church? Again, it was. At Colossae. He says, Paul says this to the church of Rome, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. As we look at that, we understand that as God does His work through His people, there's a transformation that happens. You become a walking billboard. Have you ever seen your car get washed after it went through mud? Right? Have you ever been impressed with your car after it was dirty for three months? You finally wash it off and you're saying, oh, there you are. That kind of transformation, folks, is noticeable. Have you ever had something that, that you were advertising in one way or another through your heart? Because Jesus says, out of the heart, right? Out of the heart you will show where your treasure is. Scripture says, guard over the heart for from it are the, are the what? Are the wellsprings of life. So what are you advertising? Paul is saying that When there's a transformation, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's noticeable. It's noticeable. You become a walking billboard. And this church, Colossae, or Colossae, or Colossae, okay, there's a bunch of different ways to say it. 
They had a reputation for faith and love. 2 Corinthians 5, 12. I'll read it to you. You can just listen. But you could also mark it in your notes. It says this, We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. As Paul is speaking about this, continue on down to verse 20. He says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. God making His appeal through us. Are we like Colossae? Are, are we a church that we're like the guy on the corner spinning the Verizon sign? Or the all-you-can-eat buffet at round table pizza sign? Now those guys get paid per dance move, if you haven't noticed. Right? And they're out there in 100 degree heat, no excuses. And they're, they're busting. I, I saw a guy that, that was like doing handstands on one arm and, you know, flipping this thing around and, and just crazy stuff that I used to be able to do like two years ago. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I don't, I don't, this fails, I don't, it doesn't. So this guy's advertising, would you know that there was a Verizon store in there if he wasn't on the corner? Probably not. Would you know that the all-you-can-eat buffet... At Round Table Pizza is six ninety nine. I would, but you might not. I'm just kidding. I had no idea. Now, if you put Christians on a street corner, what message would they send? You see, this church had a reputation in word and deed. And because they had allowed, remember we talked about the issue of Gnosticism was starting to creep in here. We're not going to get to it today, but we're going to get to it in a little bit. But Gnosticism crept in. And Paul's saying it really does matter what you think and what you know and what you place your trust in. You've got to be careful because Christ is all you need. And my friends, for you and I, the world wants to come in and change what our billboard says. All the time. And they're looking to do that in a subversive and, and very eloquent way. And sometimes we just need to say, what am I advertising? Is it faith and love or, or other things? And maybe we need to have that transformation in our mind like Paul talks about in Romans 12. Maybe we need to, we need to think and, 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 and contemplate what Paul's saying to the church at Corinth when he says, therefore we are ambassadors, right? An ambassador is a representative. We are, we are representations for Christ. God making His what? Marketing plan through us. God does His advertising through you and me. Let's move to the second point today. So Colossians 1, 5 through 6. Let's pick up the, the, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. Let's pick up the uh, rest of verse 5 here. And we're going to go through verse 6. So I'll, I'll start over with the beginning of verse 5. It says, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, 
which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So what is Paul saying? Paul's saying that there is a hope laid up for you in heaven. You know that. That drives you. That should be part of what's advertised in you. And as you have this reputation for faith and love, and it's a representation of Christ, you are waiting for that which God has set up for you. Keep thinking on a motivational level, right? I mean, why is Diamond Man Diamond Man for Amway? I don't think it's because he really is so sold on the entire third world having LOC. It's because he's going to make money. Right? Or she's going to make money. Paul gets this. And he's saying, look, remember what you have waiting for you. Because if that is your focus, if that's what you hold on to, guess what it's going to do to your advertisement? And so he goes back and he says what? He reminds them of what they know. He says, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the what? The gospel. Can you tell me what the gospel is? That's one of the life group questions. This week in your life groups, you're going to have to be prepared to share what is the gospel. Closed book test. We as the church should be able to say what is the gospel. Fascinatingly enough, if you do a study of of the church in 17th, 16th century, the gospel was dead. It was as as a matter of fact, the gospel was a bad word. You didn't use the word the gospel. You didn't use the word evangelical. They were too radical for the church. And you know that what the church was advertising? A complete deadness in spirituality. That was the church's reputation. The church's reputation went from being focused on the gospel when it got off that focus, when it got off that truth of the word of God, what happened? They became just a state institution. And the reputation of the church went way down. What revived that reputation? The gospel. Because when the gospel gets a hold of you, it transforms. It transforms your mind. But the challenge for you and I and for the church here at at Colossae is... Being sure of what we know. Focusing back onto the word of truth. And they're commended for this by Paul. Notice how he says this. Of this you have what? You have heard before in the word of the truth. The gospel. Somebody preached the gospel to them. Romans 10 speaks about this, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And, and the Scripture says this, how will anyone hear unless somebody says it? How will somebody say it unless someone is, what? Sent. Oh, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so Paul reminds them, you read this, you heard this, somebody preached it to you, here's the church expanding. You have a whole church that's the result of someone saying, I'm going to take the beautiful transformational message of the gospel of faith and love. And I'm going to share this with the community. Hey, there's this little town over here. Epaphras, why don't you come with me? We'll We'll just go start demonstrating the gospel. We'll talk about it and we'll demonstrate it and let's see what happens. 
there's a church. That's what Paul's talking about. The result of the gospel bears fruit. The result of the gospel bears fruit. Word and deed. So in the church at Colossae, you see what's happening. It says, look at verse 6, which has come to you, okay, the gospel has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. Paul's in prison in Rome. And he sees that the, the, the manifestation of the power of the gospel has taken root. It's caught wildfire. This is a great testimony. This is a great missions report, isn't it? What's happened in 30 years? Asia Minor, starting to bleed up into Western Europe, definitely within the Middle East, all the way down into the northern regions of Africa. Can I get an amen from my Egyptian contingency? Right? The power of the gospel, not just in word, but in deed as well. How many of you have heard the statement by Thomas Aquinas? That's the farthest back I can hear it. Is that preach the gospel, gospel often and sometimes use words. You know, I, I, I heard from a lot of people when, when you try to encourage them to share verbally the gospel, they talk about lifestyle evangelism. Sometimes lifestyle evangelism, evangelism becomes a cop-out to sharing the words of Christ. And if we're not willing to share the words of the power of Christ as well as live it in word and deed, guess what we're, what kind of advertising are we? What kind of a billboard are we? We're one that's going to get changed out pretty quick because it's ineffective and unproductive. That wasn't the church in the first century. Paul says the gospel is gathering around the world like wildfire. Do you know that that's happening in the southern hemisphere right now? Western Europe and the United States is dying spiritually. Dying spiritually. Do we care? Do you know what an opportunity Europe has with the refugees that are coming over? There's a quote from a pastor in Germany that says hundreds upon hundreds of Muslims are coming to the Lord. They're baptizing Muslims by the hundreds in Germany right now because of what they have seen happen under their religion and under their faith. Now, they're not fools. They know that the political system is much more akin to them getting immigration if they have a religious connection. They get that. But the pastor says that's for God to work out. The reality is we have an opportunity unlike any other time since I've been alive for the gospel to shine in word and deed. If we can't get in there, guess what God has done? God has said, fine, I'll bring them to you. And if you as a nation have rejected my principles, I'm going to bring the masses to the few that are faithful and let's see what happens because of the power of the gospel. Let's see what kind of advertising God does through His church. Remember, it's through His church and through His word of truth. We're a walking billboard. What about the church here at CBC? Well, can anybody quote our uncommon passage? I've been telling it to you for nine months now. Can anybody quote it? Surely you are a walking advertisement of the uncommon. Surely we know our theme verse for the entire... It's just one little verse. For, uh, 
you guys should see yourself. You are like eighth grade kids ready for a government test on the Constitution. You know what? No. You come, you come tell it to me when, when you're a walking advertisement for that scripture. All right? 2 Corinthians 5.18. I think it's even in your bulletin. All right? But it's basically saying... <laughs> I'm going to give away the paraphrase now. I can't help myself. It's basically saying that you and I are a walking advertisement. That Christ was that when He was here, right? He, was present, he is the gospel. And so now, what's happened? Christ is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Guess who it's on? You and I. How are we doing here at the church? If I were to ask people to stand up if they came to the Lord that are in this room right now, came to the Lord in the past year through the ministry and through the advertisement of the gospel of people here at Concord Bible Church, how many people do you think would stand? All right, now, would you hire us? as an advertising company for the gospel. Let's go to the next point before I lose my job. Let's wrap this up. Colossians 1, 7-8. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known... There's that word. You're going to see that word over and over and over. He has made known to us your love in the Spirit. There's a power in words. There's a power in demonstration. There's a power in faith. And we're supposed to, my wife and I and, and Stephen and Becky, we're supposed to go up to Hume Lake this, this week for a pastor's conference. And praise God, it's still standing because of God's miraculous hand and because of the hard work of, of firefighting teams. And we need to be praying. There are fires all over, folks. And they're affecting. We've got some people up in, um, I'm, I'm not going to remember the, the region, but this just happened this week. Um, no, it's not. I know everybody knows about Lake County. This is this is in a different area. I apologize. I can't I can't think of it. But we have a free church in that area. We have brothers. And, I mean, there, there's there's people everywhere involved in these fires. We need to be praying for that. And and we'll be doing that tonight here at five thirty. It, it may be Kelseyville. It may be Kelseyville. So the recitation of the gospel is our third and last point this morning. Or the recitation, however you want to say that. So what do we see? We see this gentleman, Epaphras. We don't know much about him other than, number one, he lived in that region. Number two, they learned the gospel from this man. Number three, he went to seek out Paul and brought the message of this church that Paul did not plant. Right? And brought a reputation. Now, if Epaphras were to walk out from us and go to Neil Brower, our superintendent of our district, and say, hey, I want you to know the reputation of CBC. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to share with you what's been going on there. I'm going to give you an advertisement for what God is doing through His Word and His power at CBC. You know what? I'd be pretty excited about what he would say. Because I know what we're doing here at this church. I think there's much more that we could do if we were like the Verizon guys spinning the sign on the corner. By the way, that's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm not telling you to go out on the street corner and spin a sign for Jesus. I'm asking you to be, He is asking you, God is asking you to be His representation here. And I'll give you a story to wrap this up in just a moment. So, 
verse 7 and 8 gives us this demonstration of God's servant speaking and practicing the idea of the gospel and watching the power of the gospel take root in people. And the result is that group of people end up with a reputation of faith and love. What a beautiful, beautiful result of the gospel. So he says, just as you learn from Epaphras, speaking the gospel is necessary. It's something that needs to be done. We need to do it through two modes. Number one, through our actions. And secondly, through our words. How will they know where our love is from? And by the way, that's a great, great advertising campaign. Is go out and and get people hooked on what you're doing so that they do what? They ask, why do you do what you do? Why are you rejoicing when you shouldn't be rejoicing? Why are you serving constantly? Why are you always putting the priority of others in front of your own needs? Why do you seem to have an incredible peace? Why are you always sharing Scripture verses when all I want to hear is football scores? Why, you know, on and on. And then you're given the opportunity to share the Gospel, are you not? The reason for your faith and love you're able to share. Don't lose those opportunities. We need to speak the Gospel when necessary. Living the Gospel is necessary as well. We can't just speak it. We can't just sit in Bible studies and speak about the Scripture. We can't just do casual emails and, 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 and discuss with other Christian friends the veracity of the Scriptures. We need to get out there to a hurting world and we need to practice faith and love. We need to do both, word and deed. We need to live the Gospel. Let me tell you a story in closing about Dwight Moody. Dwight Moody was a great, great preacher. Um, he was not trained. Uh, he never would call himself a pastor, a reverend. He wouldn't allow people to address him that way. And yet his ministry was second to none as far as God working with him and using him. And so Moody tells uh, this interesting story in which uh, believers in London brought their friends under the sound and influence of the gospel. He says this, One of the wealthiest young men in London, the son of the city's leading banker and a student at Cambridge University, felt that he could not go to the inquiry room to do personal work. So one night, he went to a cabman and said, I will pay you your regular fee by the hour if you will go in and hear Mr. Moody preach. I will act as cabman and take care of your horse. Now, some of this stuff we don't really understand because it's way out of our, 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 our culture. But in essence, what this young man did, the son of the city's leading banker, is he went out to those who were working in the streets and he says, I'll watch your stuff. You go in and you listen to Moody. I'll give you some relief. It's kind of fascinating, isn't it? Think about how we could do those kinds of things for people. And and so what happened? Well, he says, upon another occasion, Moody asked a man to speak to a certain young man whom he felt was interested in Christ. He was a great Christian manufacturer, but confessed, Mr. Moody, for some reason, I just cannot do that kind of witnessing. Right? Have you been there? I've been there. You know, you need to go talk to this guy because I think he needs Christ. Ah, I'm not good at that stuff, man. I don't know what I would say. I don't know what... And so what does Moody do? He just says, well, 
go to speak go speak to him for a little while then just go speak just talk with him the man did and discovered the younger man wanted to accept christ had even confessed him as savior but a strong desire for drink defeated him every payday i stop at the saloon and spend all my earnings he complained bitterly when do you get paid said the manufacturer saturday noon was the reply Then I shall meet you every Saturday noon until with God's help you gain the victory over the sin. And he did. The great manufacturer and the humble laborer walked home together every payday. They would have dinner. They would spend the rest of the afternoon visiting. Through that fellowship, God brought victory over sin to the laborer and joy for the opportunity to rescue a soul from destruction to the other. What a great story. What a demonstration of faith and love. And what a beautiful picture of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, my question, Paul's question to you is, what are you advertising? Hopefully it's the gospel. There's a reason these are powerful pictures. There's a reason these have relevance. There's a reason that the world captures these things. We have opportunity all around us to advertise the gospel, to be known for faith and love. Let me pray this morning for you as I dismiss you. I pray that you gather here with us tonight. That would be one very simple way for us to build that advertising. I know it's hard. I know it's very difficult. If you want to call, if you want me to come to your house and knock on the door, you talk to me after service and I'll walk here with you. Get it? But let's be known as a people of prayer. I just read something this week that God did not teach the disciples to preach but he taught them to pray. Let me close in prayer. And and then again this morning, if you've brought offerings and gifts as your part of spiritual sacrifice and service, there are the, the two boxes as you exit today. The one on the left is for your offering. The one on the right is for your card. And you can put that there and we'll definitely be praying over those things for you this week. Let me pray over our dismissal. Lord God, this morning we turn to you and we ask that you encourage us, teach us, inspire us to be walking representations of the gospel so that you can make your appeal to the world through us. Thank you, Father. We give from our hearts. We give joyfully to you. Accept our gifts. Use them for your glory. Amen. And this morning, in closing, let me just simply say to you, my brothers and sisters, now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. You are dismissed.